You're listening to the Brand Builders Podcast with your hosts, Scott Dunstan and Brian Young. Welcome to another episode of the award-winning Brand Builders Podcast powered by the Dunstan Group. My name is Brian Young. We are here with the president of the Dunstan Group, Scott Dunstan, and we are here with George Ramsey from Bold Music. Now, no doubt 2020 was a strange year for everyone, uh, really strange year for musicians. And, you know, how can you play a gig if you can't be live on stage and in person, you know, with an audience? I know a lot of people in this room love music and it was something that we missed the most during the pandemic. But, you know, yet at a time when like a lot of musicians saw their source of income dry up, George uh, and his instructors at Bold Music had already transitioned to an online platform for lessons. And it wasn't hard for them to go full virtual from there on. And they are busier than ever, as you can imagine. Now, George started Bold Music with fellow Davidson Music alum, Dean Williams, in 2013. They won the Best of the Best Award for Music Lessons by the Charlotte Magazine in 2018. And George is the CEO. And he's going to join us today to talk a little bit more you know, about Bold Music on the Brand Builders Podcast. We're so excited because we love music. And it's so interesting to see the businesses that that didn't necessarily know a pandemic was coming, but knew that virtual, knew that doing something that didn't require actually being in person could be beneficial. And you see this a lot through virtual doctor visits. I remember when we had Blair Premise on from Ortho Carolina, he talked a lot about doing virtual doctor visits. A lot of the doctors never wanted to do it. Well, guess what happened when the pandemic hit? Ortho Carolina was prom- or positioned to be super successful. And I have a feeling that story is going to be very similar here with George. Thank you so much for joining us on this episode of the Brand Builders Podcast. Great to be here. Thanks for having me. Thanks, George. Good to see you, man. Appreciate you uh, taking a few minutes with us this morning. And I'm curious, man, how did you get started in music? And has it been something you were passionate about for as long as you can remember? Oh, that's a good question. So uh, I started music. I come from a very musical family. Um, I'm the youngest of three and we were just kind of forced into the piano lesson routine as kids as, I mean, I don't, I might've been three years old. I don't even remember how old I was, um, before I can remember, let's say, uh, and I hated it actually. So I, I was forced into taking piano lessons for, you know, five, <laughs> six, seven years as a kid, hated it, hated every minute of it. I was much more of an athlete. I was big into soccer. Um, <clears throat> finally convinced my parents to let me quit uh, quit taking piano lessons. And then a couple of years later, my, my neighbor, who was one of my best friends started learning the guitar. And, and that's kind of how I got into, um, I got back into music, I guess when I was kind of like end of middle school in the high school, I picked up the guitar and then sort of pretty immediately was like, Oh yeah, this is what I want to do. Um, so I had like a foundation, didn't even necessarily realize how much of a foundation I had from as a kid. Uh, but then, yeah, like pretty, pretty quickly after picking up a guitar, I was like, okay, this is what I'm going to do. Would you say in all your experience that you are born with the ability to learn an instrument quicker than others, or can anyone learn an instrument? Anyone can learn an instrument, but like everything, you know, some people pick it up a little quicker than others, but I have never in my, what is this eight years of doing this, uh, of having the company, like. It, it can be done any of the people that you think have no hope of doing it if it's all about mindset if you if you're disciplined and you work at it you can do it got it well i love that because uh my music ability has gotten to about second grade with a recorder 
And oh, yeah. uh, I think I had to stand up in front of everybody to do Mary Had a Little Lamb, and that was about it. So <laughs> I uh, now I was a soccer player. I loved playing soccer. I played in college. It was amazing. And Where'd you play at? I played at Georgia Southern back in Ooh, the I, day. Oh, I played at Davidson. Oh, so, there we go. Uh, so we go. were still in the SoCon. Um, there we go. So and, uh, we. Yeah, so we were all still in the SoCon. That's amazing. Well, I was there from 03 to 07. I think you had graduated in 2013. So we barely missed each other. Uh, but that's yep. that's awesome to talk to a, a fellow athlete as well. Yes. Now I have to work on my music ability because you already have that. Um, but <laughs> you know, it, it's it's fascinating to to not only know how how much commitment it takes to be very good at a sport, it also takes that commitment to be very good at at, at being good at music, right? Or even understanding oh, yeah. it. And I think it's a it's a skill that can be very frustrating to people, and then they'll just give up and quit, right? Absolutely, um, because it's. It's frustrating. You you hear music and you're like, oh, that'd be cool if I can do that. And then you just never get there. Um, well, and like a sport, you know, the process is just as important, right? Like the outcome is kind of ancillary to like the process in my book. But yes, absolutely. So let's talk a little bit about bowl music. I mean, you've been doing this for, for eight years. Um, I, I'd love to. Where did you come up with the idea and where did you say, you know what, this is going to be something that I think not only could work, but but I'm going to this is going to be my passion. Now I'm going to I'm going to exit the sports world, jump all into music. And we'd love to kind of hear that journey on how you decided to make that uh, that leap and start bowl music. Yeah. So one of the reasons I went to Davidson is because in theory, I could have been a music major and a and an athlete. There's not a whole lot of schools where you could do that. Um, and that kind of and then so basically I quit playing soccer after my sophomore year, cause I knew I really wanted to focus on music. I got a teaching job shortly thereafter. My co-founder Dean, who was a couple years older, he helped me get the job. He was teaching at a place um, that we both taught at. And it was pretty like pretty early on. We were like, this is, this is not, this is awful. Like there, there's so many ways that this can be done better. Um, I mean, from, you know, like we were teaching at a music, uh, like a music store, just in this tiny little cubicle. And we just, both were like, this is awful. Like we're, we're cramped. It doesn't sound good. Um, it's inconvenient, right? Like you got to drop your kid off. So we, we just kind of over time were mulling over the idea of, well, we should really be going to people's houses. When we grew up at t taking lessons, we had teachers come to our house, uh, both Dean and I, and, and we just were thinking, all right, well, let's, we don't have any money. We want to start our own company. Like we can't afford to rent a space. So let's try, try our hand at starting our own company where, um, you know, we go to people's houses. Uh, and the other piece of it was as a musician myself and Dean, a musician as well, like we, we want, like, we kind of have this vision of, okay, let's, let's make it fun and beneficial to actually like make a living as a music, like help people make a living as a musician. Teaching is a great way. Like if you play in a wedding band on the weekends, you do the church on Sunday, you do your own music, like, Monday through Thursday, there's a lot of downtime typically as a working musician and teaching is a great way to make, um, to kind of like make some extra income basically. So we were very in tune with like, for, like one of our core values is teacher first. So like we started the company as musicians, really as a service for other musicians, not, which this is, sounds bad, but like not as a service for students necessarily, you know, it's a, it, it, like teachers are above students in our kind of hierarchy. 
So with that, you know, I think a lot of when you start a business in the most successful companies that we've had that have come on our podcast, it's very simple. They're not going out there and trying to do something that someone else has already done because it was a great idea. They're trying to look for a problem and find a solution to that. You seem like you kind of had that idea and then it grew throughout time. Yep. So tell us from that journey when you first were setting up the, the beginning of the of the of the organization into where you are now. How did that happen? And and were there was there a moment that you said virtuals it, right? And, and was that the pandemic or was that before that? Like, how did you guys start to move into that direction? Sure. Um, so we started like we grew really slow and steady from the start. We've never taken on investment. I mean, we started this company right out of college, so I had no idea what I was doing. Neither did Dean. So we we kind of grew slow and steady over the past probably four years, three or four years. It kind of got more serious um hired more people you know we're really seeing some substantial growth um as we sort of started taking it and ourselves more seriously as a company we we're like okay we can do this um the virtual piece actually came in as a solution to a problem which was as we grew we had a lot of teachers and a lot of teachers that were really busy um if you're driving to people's houses and like say you're going to you know say you live in rock hill like a lot of our teachers for, for some reason live in rock hill Say you live in Rock Hill and on Tuesdays you're traveling up and teaching seven students in Myers Park. If two of those students in the middle of the teaching day need to reschedule, it's not it is just so not worth it for me to find another time to drive back up to your house from Rock Hill uh, to teach you a makeup lesson. So the virtual platform came the, the idea of virtual instruction came in as as a solution to give teachers and students the flexibility to flexibility to reschedule lessons when they need to, but not basically not say, Hey, in order for this lesson to happen, I've got to find the time to come back to your house. So that all that we, we spent like most of 20, what would that be? Most of 2019 kind of figuring out, testing things out, figuring out a way to make that work. And from like a tech perspective, but also from like a policy and, you know, uh, wording perspective to not because you know a lot of families you guys mentioned it with the ortho the doctors like families were resistant to the idea of a virtual lesson um for a while so anyway we we, we spent most of 2019 getting that going and then actually in february of 2020 we launched the and it's very it's a zoom platform but like we launched uh the the basically the virtual makeup solution um, and then in March, it was so we had we had our teachers trained up, we had a cool looking, you know, dashboard thing on our website. So when the pandemic hit, we just literally just sent an email out and we're like, hey, we're gonna, we're gonna go virtual for two weeks. And, <laughs> that's, you know, now you meant five um, years. <laughs> right, right, right. Now the we have since so so we were fully virtual from March 14th or whatever 2020 till like June of 2020. But starting in June, we did start going, doing some uh, in-home lessons again. And now we've kind of gotten to the point where for our just like, you know, standard weekly subscription lessons, we're about 70% in-home and 30% virtual. But the virtual platform is all is going to stick around. We do get virtual students. And then obviously for reschedules and makeup lessons, it's all, it's all virtual. So how do you feel about just the quality of the lesson virtually versus in-home? Yeah. Um, it, it's just, it, so there's no substitute for being, you know, one-on-one -on -one. I'm like, Hey, um, Scott, let me, let me pull your, let me move your finger here. And this is how you put, you know, this is how you play this chord. Right. Right. Um, but 
there are some benefits to virtual instruction. Uh, it, what I tell people is you can't treat a virtual lesson like an in-person lesson. You have to do it differently. Um, the benefits to virtual is you can share screens. You can do a lot of things with tech that you might not be able to do. Um, for example, like if you're a drum, if you're a drum teacher, it's actually kind of nice to, for me to be, if you're a drum student, I'm a drum teacher. It's kind of nice for me to be able to sit at my drum set and demonstrate something rather than be like, all right, scoot over. I'm going to show you this. All right. Now you sit back down. Cause like, if I'm going to your house, I'm not bringing my drum set for every lesson. Right. right. So there's a few, there, there are some benefits. It's just, it's kind of just a different, a different thing. I, I say like, it's not worse. There, there's neither one is better or worse. It's they're, they're just different. Would, would you say a blend of in-home and virtual is, is a good mix as well? Because I've taken lessons in the past. I've done in-person, I've done virtual. And what I miss about the, when I'm in the virtual is actually being able to strum with the teacher and, and yep. sort of getting that groove and that rhythm, which I have very little of uh, try, trying to learn that. Um, and, and I just found that to, to be able to strum along and someone keep a, you know, keep a beat going and then, you know, strum over it. It, it seems like that interaction is very beneficial, which I, I'm not sure. And, and you can correct me if I'm wrong. You can achieve virtually, right? Um, you actually, you can, and I'm hearing that once 5g becomes a thing, it'll, it'll be easier to do. Um, but yeah, I mean, you're right. Like as things stand right now, like there's, there's a way to, there's kind of a way to do it. I sort of mentioned it before our podcast started. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there, I mean, to, to the broader point, like, yeah, a, a blend can be really good. Um, the big drawback for virtual instruction is for really young kids who have never played an instrument before. So that's tough because you typically right. need a parent to sort of be hovering around helping you with your computer. And also just like, it's really hard to teach a five-year-old technique from a screen, right? You could be a, a, a total beginner adult student. It works. Um, but yeah, I mean like the big, the big drawback for virtual for like across the board would be like you said, especially if you're like a guitar student, um, just being able to have like a jam session, right? And strum along, like play together. You can't really do that yet with right. virtual. Gotcha. My question is about, you know, with technology, you talked about, you know, how you guys kind of moved to that virtual platform. And I think the technology necessarily wasn't up to speed to be able to go, you know, full on Zoom. I know with our business, we are relationship based. We have a beautiful showroom. We want you to come in and meet us. Yep. We never in a million years thought that we would be doing virtual meetings, but what the last 18 months to, to 24 months has taught us is that it's great to have a blend of that. It enables okay. us to be able to connect virtually what we're doing right now. Uh, I can see you while we're having this conversation. It's much better than you just being on the phone. And so for us, it's enabled yep. us to be able to connect with our national brands, our national partners, have more of that personal kind of vibe. And although we, we, we want everybody to come see us and we want to build that relationship and shake hands and we're huggers and all that, you know, that doesn't yeah. work all the time. And so it's kind of given us that that beautiful blend. And I think you guys have done a great job um, at, at achieving that over time. And I love that you just said, like, once 5G gets a little bit better, and you even mentioned another um, sync space that will enable yep. people to be able to play, you know, live together, which I think will just open up a whole nother platform. I mean, you look at what Garth Brooks has done and Dave Matthews Band and how they literally have concerts live every Friday and I remember at yeah. the beginning of the pandemic, it was cool as hell to listen to Dave play in his basement 
and play songs that you might haven't heard since like 1996. And then he's just yeah. stringing that. And I always thought that was so cool. And, and what would have happened if, you know, COVID happened 10 years ago? You know, what if we yeah. didn't have, oh, yeah. it would have been, we think it's bad now. Think how bad it would have been <laughs> if we weren't to be able to connect it. So anyways, uh, kudos to you guys. My question is going a, a totally different direction as a parent of two sons where I was never, you know, given necessarily the opportunity to fall in love with music or to have the opportunity to really play um, a lot of musical instruments. I, I am blessed at, at the areas and, the, and the, the places that I got to go from being Eagle Scout and playing sports and being involved in church and all of those things are great. But how would somebody that maybe doesn't have that musical vibe get their kids involved in it? And what would be your advice to parents who have young kids? Because I feel like musicians, it, it's, a, it's a different way of thinking. And I think that that yeah. could prepare you to, to, to really challenge a lot of things in life. And ultimately, if you can play an instrument, you've already achieved something that a lot of people can't or haven't. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, there's, there's a lot of data coming out every year that if you learn music as a kid, you have some benefits that non-musician kids, uh, you know, you just, you tend to do better at school and all these, all these type of types of things. Um, the, just the whole concept of like delayed gratification and the process too of learning an instrument is really beneficial. Um, as a parent, you know, what, what I think where a lot of parents get it right. And, or excuse me, where a lot of parents get it wrong is like, they're like, all right, I want to, I want my kid to learn music. And so they sign them up for lessons. You, it, if you have no experience and you don't know how to play an instrument, that's totally fine. Like that's what, that's what your teacher's for. Right. Um, it's, it's more like as a parent, you need to be supportive. And if you've got a young kid, you need to not let them quit. <laughs> you know, like, it's like, we're going to do our best as teachers to make it fun and engaging and relevant. Um, but if, as a kid, like there's a, you know, your brain isn't fully developed yet and you, you suck at something when you start at it, you might want to quit. You may not want to stick with it. Um, I, it always kills me when, when parents are like, yeah, you know, I'm like, like Jimmy's just not into it anymore. We're just going to do something else. I'm like, I mean, he's a kid. He may not be into it. You, you get to decide as a parent, what your, <laughs> what your kid is into. Right. And what they do. Um, and I mean like the benefit of, of having a, having your kids learn music is is great like it's a huge a huge benefit it's worth making them stick with it i mean we get whenever we get adult students um or or even just like parents signing up their kid like time and time again it's like one of their biggest regret regrets in life as a parent is like oh man i wish i wouldn't have put down my instrument in high school right uh and like they're you know 20 years later they're like hey i want to learn how to play guitar i just i I started learning as a kid and I, and I didn't stick. Like we hear that all the time. So really, you know, to just answer your question, simply just get your kid learning music and make them, make them stick with it. Um, and you know, be supportive and positive with it too. That's my story in a nutshell, man. I took guitar lessons. I don't know, 10 to when I was 10 to 13 or something like that, hurt my fingers, you know, wasn't as interested in the time or at the time. And I quit. And my dad said, yep. you are absolutely going to regret this later on in life. And you know what? We, we turn around as we get older and we're like, man, our parents were so damn right on so many yeah, things. Exactly. And, exactly. and you, you actually end up thank them, thanking them for the way they, they raised you or whatever. But he, uh, you know, he was exactly right. And so I tried to pick it up a few years ago. And, <clears throat> and what Quentin said, it, my teacher, he was like, man, you know, 
kids do learn a lot faster because I was curious as to my pace of learning and, and where we were in the process. And he was like, you're making good progress, but kids, because they're in that learning mode, uh, are learn will will learn and, and get faster or get better faster. Much faster. Uh, but one oh, yeah. of those, Brian hit on it, one of the reasons I wanted to get back into it is because I've been doing what we're doing in branded merchandise for 21 years. I know how to do this. I know it well. Although we're always learning, um, I wanted to train my brain to think a little differently and use the other side of the brain and, and, and open that up and just do something totally different. Um, I view it as like learning a language. Um, it's it's yeah. very difficult. There seems to be like peaks and valleys. Uh, you know, I'll make some progress, then I'll fall back. Um, what is your advice, you know, in, in sticking with it? Like, you know, do some people go too hard, too fast? I mean, should there be, you know, put 10 minutes a day into it? Or like, what? Mm-hmm. What? how do you all teach that? And what's your advice there? So, and I, and I have, you know, I, I think if you asked my 40 teachers, you'd probably get a bunch of different answers. <laughs> but what I think is really important, again, is the process. So, you, whether you're an adult or, or you're a kid, you're not always going to be on it. Not every week are you going to be ready to learn. Are, you, are your fingers going to be cooperating? Are you going to be in the right mood or you have the right attitude? Um, consistency is just critical. I mean, there's no secret, you know, there's no secret recipe. It's just even if you don't practice a minute for a for a week, as long like if you if you have that weekly reinforcement, that lesson where it's like, hey, oh, you didn't practice. Well, then we're just going to practice together for 45 minutes. That I think is the key. Um, and yeah, like just being realistic with yourself, uh, whether you're again, like whether you're a kid or a grown up, like it's a long process and it takes a long time and it doesn't matter how good you get. Right. It, it right. really just matters that you're learning something and you're progressing and you will progress no matter what. Um, does that kind of answer the question? Oh yeah, for sure. hundred percent. Do, do most of your teachers do weekly lessons? Is it bi-weekly yep. or every other week? Yeah, no, we've, we've, we've found, I mean, sorry, sorry to cut you off there. No, no, that was my question. We're good. <laughs> um, yeah. So we, we do, uh, it's all weekly. Um, very rarely will allow like a bi-weekly option, but I mean, like to get your money's worth, you should have a lesson every week. And from right. a business perspective, we just, we pretty much make it mandatory that you do weekly lessons. Cause if you, so like, say I'm teaching you on Tuesdays at four o'clock and you're bi-weekly, I'm, I'm making half as much money as I would if somebody um, was doing weekly and I can't book somebody else in that spot. Like that Tuesday at four o'clock spot is booked whether or not you're taking a lesson every week or bi-weekly. So we, but so that's the business case, but like as a, from a progress perspective, weekly reinforcement is, is, is the way to go a hundred percent. And then, and then just to kind of tack on one, one little thing, like I, I think in an ideal world, what I, what I tell people is you should at least pick up your instrument five times a week. Yeah. So whether you're practicing for 10 minutes or an hour, as long as you're picking it up, like almost every day, that's, that's kind of the way to go. It's, it's, it is one of those things where like, it's like Dean, uh, my partner always uses this analogy. Like if you go for a run every Sunday, it's 
awful every time, right? right? But if you go for like a run a few times a week, you get better at it and it gets easier and, and that kind of thing. So it, it's sort of that that kind of idea too. I know that story well too. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like my and golf I've been on both sides of that. Absolutely. <laughs> Sounds like my golf instructor. You're like, exactly right. <laughs> Pick up that golf club every day. I'm like, I got two kids, man. He's yeah, like, well, then you're never going to be good. I'm like, you're right. Well, you're dude, right. Life gets in the way, you're man. Right. And, you know, we, we can make excuses and it's easy to do that, right? Mm -hmm. Like it, it is hard to stick yep. with something and, and stay with it. Uh, but I think what encourages folks is the progress being made. And when you could see that, that's encouraging, you know, and you're like, yeah, I'm making progress. Like, got to keep it up, you know, I'll just, you know, so anyway, just like anything. And it helps yeah, to have it. like a teacher or somebody external, like accountability <laughs> or, or yourself, like documenting your progress, right? Like if you're oh, doing it yourself, cool. especially once you get through that initial phase, it's like, I'm just using the guitar as an example where, all right, now I know my chord, my basic chords, and I know how to strum you sort of plateau a little bit like to get a little bit better takes a long time the more you're the, the better you get at something right yeah. um it's it's helpful to have some way some mechanism to like look back at your progress and be like, oh you know i am making progress here you know because it's easy to forget like you you might be like wow i i haven't I, you know i've been i've been treading water for a long time but there's so many different ways that you can make progress in music you may not get technically faster <clears throat> but maybe you understand concepts better that allows you to that allows you to remember and memorize music and and play more songs and at, you know now you can play 50 songs that's that's progress right um so anyway that's why i love guitar hero remember guitar hero back yeah. in the day i was badass at guitar hero <laughs> i can't play a real guitar but damn i can <laughs> i can strum that game so i have a question you mentioned um about kids and, and why they quit and, and how parents need to not allow their kids to quit. And I think we live in a world where a lot of parents like, I want my kid to do what they want to do. And I don't want to force yeah. them to like what I like. And all of that's great to an extent. I don't want you to be Mr. Baseball, you know, dad, who's like, you're going to be practicing seven days a week and right. this is the sport you play. But at the same time, you need to make sure that they're not quitting something that ultimately you could push them through those hard times that when they look back on their life, they're excited about it. I talk about this all the time. I'm an Eagle Scout, and I'm so thankful that my dad pushed me to get across that finish line. Now, it was ultimately yeah. me who had to do that, but I look back on and have plenty of friends who didn't get Eagle Scout, got all the way up to life and didn't get it. It's the one thing they talk about all the time. And you mentioned that yep. as well with, with playing an instrument. When you... Talk about parents pushing their child in a world that is full of instant gratification, uh, instant success, people that are not falling in love with the, the, the process and, and really the journey that it takes from picking up an instrument to being great. You are not going to pick up the instrument and then five days later be Warren Haynes. All right. Like that is not going to happen. Yeah. So how do you educate parents? Because there's got to be a ton of times when kids, when they're going through all these different life lessons and things that are happening to them and puberty yep. and everything, where they're like, ah, oh, I just want to, I just want to give up. Like, I guess you see that a lot. And I, I appreciate you saying yeah. that you really need those parents to be able to push them. So I don't even know if I have a question. It's, it's, <laughs> you, we see it all the time. And it's like, you have to be, you know, it's, it's like, I'm a, I don't, I'm not a parent yet, but I'm a dog owner. And it's like, like a kid, a dog, like the dog kind of like mirrors what you do, right? If you're teacher, if you teach your kid um, that it's okay to quit, you know, just when something gets hard, what does that teach? I mean, it's not just music, right? Like it's, 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 and it can be hard as a parent. It can totally be hard. You want to just say, okay, then go play your video game. But you, that's just a responsibility, I guess, like as a, as a good parent that you have, you just gotta be like, Hey, you're, you're going to stick with it and you'll thank me later. And they might yell and scream at you. I, I was that kid. 
Um, and then you'll look back on it and you'll be like, Oh, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm glad I, I'm glad I did it. And your parents are like, yeah, that sucked. That was annoying. I hated that. I had to discipline you like that, but you needed it. <laughs> That's right. Absolutely. And you know what? I, I always say, you know, when your parents or when your kids tell you that they hate you, they're gonna look back on it. it's probably the right thing to do. That's um, right. So I, uh, and that might be an extreme case, but that's the reality. So I want to jump into something real quick before we kind of wrap this up. You were on the board for EO Accelerator right here in Charlotte, which is a high impact learning uh, organization for events and curriculum for early stage entrepreneurs. And it seems really, really awesome. I've actually never heard of this. I don't know if Scott has or not. Tell us a little bit about the Entrepreneurs Organization, uh, EO Accelerator, right here in Charlotte. Uh, how are you involved, and how can business owners that are listening to this podcast get involved with that as well? Oh yeah, thank you for bringing that up because my my role on the board is to like is recruitment essentially. Here we so, go. Uh, this is great. <laughs> Sign up, people. Uh, so, so EO uh, EO. So Entrepreneurs Organization is this worldwide organization. The the accelerator program that I'm a part of with my business and I'm on the board of is essentially geared towards taking businesses, small businesses up through the million dollar threshold in revenue. Um, and then, you know, once you hit the million dollar revenue threshold, you join EO. Um, it's, it's actually hard for me to explain I'm working on it. I'm like explaining the benefits of this, but it's essentially um, it's, it's a peer group, where you work on your business like and you have you it's it's and it's again it, there's these regular monthly meetings you have to attend you can't skip stuff um but the, yeah the accelerator program itself is is geared at you know helping small business owners work on their business i think of it too kind of as like almost like like an mba program without all the bs it's like this is exactly what you need to be doing this is exactly things to think about this is what's important um you know there's we're guided by literature and, and, you know, uh, good book recommendations. We have, we have a coach. So like every, so my, in, in the accelerator program, I'm in a, in a, what, what are an accountability group is what they're called. And so we meet every month, there's five or six of us small business owners. And then we've got like our coach, who's a part of the bigger EO network and owns a much bigger business. And so, it's, it's, it's awesome. It's been transformational, uh, for me and for my business. And, and, and I cannot recommend it enough. Um, if you have a business, I mean, just, it, again, if you've got a business that you're doing about 250,000 revenue up through a million, um, it's an amazing, amazing thing to be a part of. Can't recommend it enough. Love it. Very cool. I, not to change subjects again, but I see on your website, you also offer voice lessons. Um, we, oh, ha yeah. we haven't talked about that yet. So um, it looks like you have guitar, piano, drum, voice, and anything else. So, yeah. So yep. if you're interested in anything music, essentially call you guys and you can you can get some lessons. Love it. Right? That's right. And we're uh, we we recently we expanded last year to Raleigh. So um, we're now in Charlotte and Raleigh. And in the next couple months, we're expanding to Asheville, Greenville, Winston, Greensboro, and High Point. So, you know, all over the Carolinas, if you guys, you know, if, if anyone wants to learn an instrument. That's got, awesome. Have you seen have you seen a big increase of, of interest in music throughout the pandemic? It's been really interesting. I mean, at the beginning, there was, well, yes, yes, there, there was. But like as things have like opened back up and life has sort of started to get back to normal, then it sort of dropped. Off. Like we had a we were we were actually some of the heart like the hardest part of this whole pandemic 
I think personally was was like May, April, May, June of this year, because that's when people actually started like that's actually when we saw the most drop off right. um, because people were like, oh, yeah, I'm going to go travel for the whole summer. I haven't been, you know what I mean? And we're just and it, and it kind of fell to the back burner. And we're seeing with um, a lot of our teachers, uh, I do like regular check ins with most of our teachers. A lot of a lot of them are struggling with like keeping kids engaged right now. Sure. Because there's just so many, so many distractions and it's such a weird time. Um, but yeah, early on, we, we were, I mean, we, we kept not over 90% of our, of our student. I mean, we kept, we basically kept all of our teachers and all of our students over the course of the pandemic. I mean, in part because we did a good job with virtual lessons, but also there was nothing else to do. <laughs> True that. Absolutely. So do you, do you keep track of all of the, um, the, the aspiring, you know, artists that are coming through here and, and when are we going to have our first Grammy for a, for a, a, uh, a, a bold music. Student? Yeah. A graduate of bold music. Oh, that's a good question. There's, there's a lot of really impressive bold music graduates who are doing fun things. Uh, one that one comes to mind, Jordan Cobb. She's a, she's a high schooler. I think she lives kind of in like South, South Charlotte area. She just released a, um, a single like at midnight tonight last night and uh it's really great she's uber talented what's up jordan um yeah check it out jordan cobb see that's that's got to be so rewarding as a ceo because you get to see all of your work pay off and not only somebody that is in high school or is that young that is releasing singles i mean how freaking cool is that right like that's that's badass man it's awesome yeah that is awesome it is really really cool and a lot of our teachers are, are, you know, releasing music and doing awesome creative things. It's, it's great. It's, I just love that, that I have the, I kind of have like the ability to kind of be a part of these things, right? Like it's, it's just a lot of fun. That's so cool, man. Well, we really appreciate you coming on and telling us more about bold music, telling us more about kind of your journey. I, I love talking to, to former college soccer players. And I also love to, to see what they've done next, right? I always think it's difficult yeah. for athletes to find something that they're passionate about or take that drive and that competitiveness and turn it into something in the future. And you obviously been able to do that and you found what you love and, and it, and you can tell when you, when somebody's on this podcast, that they love what they do and you can tell that you love that. Um, I hope everybody yep. goes and, and, you know, follow George, go check out bold music. You know, if your kids aren't in music, you know, think about it. It could it could definitely, you know, help them not only right now, but throughout life. I mean, you know, doing something that's difficult and achieving that over time is something that can live with them forever and will only help them. So, you know, George, thank you so much for everybody that's listening. Please like, share, comment. Like I said, go check out George. Um, again, thank you so much for spending this morning with us. We can't wait to share the story. And until next time, you've been listening to this episode of the Brand Builders Podcast. You've been listening to the Brand Builders Podcast, brought to you by the Dunstan Group with your host, Scott Dunstan and Brian Young. For branded merchandise and apparel that makes first impressions and ones that last, check out the Dunstan Group at dunstangroup.com.